The Bible is really clear that it is appointed for all of us at one time or another that we will all die. Not right this second, but we will all die. The years just seem to quickly fly by. You were young and now you were old. But you don't feel old. And you think back over your life and you think, what would I have changed if I could? What would be different if I could go back and look at time and change it? And that's what we need to look at right now. We need to ask ourselves this question. What prisons am I locked in? What prison am I living in today that I actually feel has had a grip on me and it won't let go? And we sing it, now's the time. Now's the time for us to rise and give hope to people who don't have any hope. But we can't do that because we are in prisons of our own making many times that will not release us to be powerful for God. You see that? And when you unlock that door to your prison and say, God, I see what it is. This is what I need to give you. And you begin to trust God. You break free. There's hope where there was no hope, isn't there? There's freedom where there was pain. There's life where there was death. What seemed to be down is now up. And you're, you're saying to yourself, God, God, you have set me free. You have made me stand on this stage and dance around like a fool because I would rather be a fool for God than a fool for the devil. Because I know that there's power in the name of Jesus, is there not? And all of a sudden, Michaela walks in here and she realizes the only hope for Frank and for me is Jesus. Partying doesn't do it. Immorality doesn't do it. Money doesn't do it. Greed doesn't do it. Having people build your kudos doesn't do it. It's Jesus that sets you free and makes you whole where they were all these parts before in brokenness. We live in prisons. Last week was ridiculously powerful, but so is this week. That's past and done. My son-in-law, Nick, is a great preacher. And so is Zach. And next week, for the first time, you will hear Aaron. Someone said to me, I'm interested in seeing what it'll be like to hear Aaron preach because he's so ADD, I don't know if he'll be able to stay focused. <laughs> the guy is moving 100 miles an hour until he puts that mouth guard in at night and his mouth is shut. I noticed that when I room with him in Vietnam, the, s the conversation stops abruptly. But he is an amazing man. Loves our kids. He's done a great job and will become a great preacher too. I believe that. Do you know that when you're doing something powerful for God, the enemy is going to attack and try to destroy you. 
And if he, if he thinks it's an almost impossible task, then he just gets you discouraged and he gets you deluded and he gets your mind thinking the wrong thoughts. When I can guarantee you this today, God does not see your sin. You have been reconciled in your relationship to God and he has wiped the slate clean. You are pure before God right now in this room as you desire to be. It's powerful. But in our missionary journey, Nick last week took us with Paul to a place where there was a woman by the name of Lydia who was a seller of purple, which was deep colored, expensive fabric. And she changed. She was actually, she actually lived in Philippi. And that's where we find Paul on his missionary journey this morning. As we catch up with him, there are two men traveling together, and Paul writes these words back in Romans. If indeed we suffer for him, we know that we may also be glorified with him. Consider that our present sufferings are not even comparable to the glory that will be revealed in us. Yeah? You feel sometimes like this prison that you're trapped in is so overwhelming that you can't get out of it. You grew up in this. You think this way. You see it in your father. You see it in your mother. You think to yourself, and the enemy loves doing this. He loves making you think, you're just like your mother. You're just like your father, who you see all their flaws, and they've gone through life, and maybe, maybe they have just lived a miserable life. And the enemy will say, you're just like them. There's no hope for you. And I'm here to say this morning, oh, yes, there is. On Christ the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is shifting sand, right? There is nothing solid about the world today. Just days before the election, we are finding more and more facts about Mrs. Clinton's lying and deceit. Who would want a president that can't tell the truth? Who would want a president that doesn't even know which story she's told to whom? At what time? I don't think it takes anymore. We need to fall on our faces before God and say, please, God, continue to allow us to be a free people in the United States of America. Bless us. I always think about this, that what is happening to us will always reveal what force is at work in us. Correct? You might be happy, and those are times you just say, God, you're really good to me. And there are other times that you are very sad, and you have a difficult time finding in that prison that you're trapped in anything good. And as we were driving into church this morning, my wife was reading out of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, it says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. I would like to see us get out of the prison of critical spirits and negativism and say, God, you can do anything. Say it with me. God, you can do anything. Come on. God, you can do anything, correct? He can take you out of the prison of defeat that you're living in today if you simply believe it and start speaking it. You speak power into other people's lives when you actually say to your husband, yes, you can get your GED, correct? She will be the means for your Frank if you believe. If that's what you want in your wife, that's what you pray for, isn't it? 
You pray until it happens. If that's what you'd like in your husband, you pray until God answers. Because you and I know this, that he is our great deliverer, is he not? Well, there are many things that Paul went through. He found out that he could literally turn a prison of pain into a prison of praise. Come on. You're going through some kind of pain this morning, and you realize, God, this is so painful, I can't stand it. The Denhoffs are grieving the loss of Bernie, but on the flip side of this, I want to jump up and down and dance and say this. He came to Rock Church, and by the grace of God, sitting one day in that room, he looked up at me and said, I want Jesus. Now, you could find some praise in that. Oh, yeah, because I got chills right now, because you're going to miss that person that you love so much, but you have hope. This is not the end. This is the beginning. Paul was an actual person who stated these words in the, the book of 2 Corinthians that he himself wrote. He said, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take this thing away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. And my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. That is why, for the sake of Christ, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties. Because when I'm weak, I'm strong. You got you to gotta be down to get up. You got <clears throat> to gotta be at the bottom to need God. Unless you're at the bottom, you can't look up. You look sideways, you look forward, you look backward all the time. You're always thinking, I have no hope. And when I look at the past, it's defeating and discouraging. And you, you find yourself literally, as I'd like to point out this morning, very simply, in a place of paralyzation. You find yourself. Your prison has become a place of paralyzation. You are trapped in something that you think you cannot get out of. And Jesus wants us to be free. He wants us to be able to dance and sing in our vehicles and praise him in the morning and praise him at evening. He wants us to know that he has designed us through what he did on the cross to be free. Correct? A place of death became a place of life. A place of splinters and thorns became a place of blessings and roses. You want the rose-strewn pathway? You'll realize that even in your sorrow, even in your prison, you do not need to be paralyzed. Paul went from this place to that place, as Nick said last week, Samothracia and over here and across here to Troas. And then finally God told him that this is what you need to do. And as he did the will of God, whether he felt like doing it or not, whether his church kicked him out, which they did, whether your church kicks you out doesn't mean you're at the end or there won't be a Frank and Michaela. There won't be an EJ and his wife. Their little girl might be somewhere else. There won't be a, right there, Vince. Vince, yeah. There won't be a Vince. There won't be a powerful man whose life has changed and his siblings and his wife has changed and their, their siblings and their grandchildren can say, my grandpa was a great man of God because he won't remember the past. You'll remember this, Vince. You got it? 
You got it? Paul said, I fought over this thing, and I came to the Lord three times, and I begged him to take it away from me, and he said, no, I cannot take it from you because it's the thing that keeps you looking up to me. Come on. It's the thing that keeps you looking up. You got to be down to look up. Wow. Once we were going to the place of prayer, Luke writes these words about Paul. He's in Philippi, and he says, Once we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept us up for many days. And finally, Paul became so annoyed. And I got to stop there for a second. Because as I'm studying this, I'm thinking to myself, well, now, wait a second. There are servants of the enemy who sometimes praise you. But they do it for a reason. They do it to affect your ego, to make you think you've arrived, to make you think you're okay, to make you think you don't need the power of God. And Paul actually got annoyed by all her praise. She was running around saying, these are the real servants of God. These are the high servants of God. And you have to actually honest, honestly ask yourself this question. If I'm never feeling like I'm down, if I'm never feeling like there's trials in my life, am I really accomplishing anything for God? Am I really speaking out? Am I being a light in the darkness? And so he turned around and said to this evil spirited woman, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. Gone. And with her owners, when they realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. For what? For helping a woman? For freeing her from something that has had her trapped all these years? Come on. You would rather see the servants of God who are helping our culture be imprisoned than a woman who is full of demons like Hillary Clinton. I guarantee you something, if Hillary Clinton gets in the White House, we'll be the ones dragged to prison. You better believe it. You better buy into that. That's not a lie. She will go off on some tirade and throw all of us in jail and shut down our churches. But you're too, you're too engaged in living by rules rather than seeing the reality of what's coming. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful to who? Unlawful for us as Romans to accept or to practice. I got to stop there again because I, I found this interesting. What were they doing that was unlawful? They were doing something that made the leadership of the city very uncomfortable. You ever notice that when you start speaking out about God, everybody's uncomfortable? At the wedding yesterday, I watched faces. I'm a people watcher. There's about 150 people in there. There were some people that were really bitter. Bitter. They don't like what their lot in life has been. They don't understand that freedom comes in, in slavery to God. 
If you're going to be enslaved to anything, get enslaved to God because he is the one that sets you free. I could make you a solid promise. Give up your addictive sin and you will be happy again. You, are you dead this morning? Is there anybody in this room? I can't see you. I'm, there's got to be somebody besides Vince. Seriously? Seriously. And so what they did was they looked at their culture thinking that these men were Jews when in reality, Paul was a Roman. Right? Oh, my. Mistaken identity. See, you don't really know who he is. You didn't know that he was this, but now he's this. See, you haven't told anybody that you're no longer that, that now you're this. The best part of the wedding yesterday was when they read those letters and let everyone know we were this, but now we're this. Because the people in that room want to be this, not that. You got that? They don't want to be that anymore. They want to be this. Frank and Michaela need to set the example for their entire family. There won't be a room in this place. There won't be room. Every one of that's out there. I saw on the faces of people what Paul saw here in the crowd. He saw a woman who is demonically controlled. And you don't think you're demonically controlled, yet you play video games all day. Yet you can't live without your cigarettes ridiculousness. You cannot live without your booze. You cannot live without your pornography. You cannot live without your critical spirit. You cannot live without your hate or your bitterness. You can't live without looking at Facebook all day long and, and getting your kudos from that. You don't even realize you're so addicted that you, you can't live without that. But it's not what you want. I guarantee you today, what you want is what I'm talking about today. What Paul had. He set the woman free, but he knows there is a price to be paid when you set people free. You will be attacked. You will. So the crowd says, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped naked in front of everyone and beaten with rods. When's the last time you've been stripped naked in front of anyone and been beaten with rods? And you think you're suffering persecution. After they had been severely, it says, severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. Now, wouldn't you think by now that Paul would have gotten a clue that he needs to shut his mouth and be more politically correct? He was a big dum-dum, according to most people. Wouldn't you think that if you got kicked out of one city and were left for dead, that you ought to shut your mouth and be more politically correct? Ain't gonna happen here. Kick me out again, I'll go start another church, and they'll put it in a paper because I want to serve God all my life, and they can't stop us. There's a lot of bitter people out there that are consumed with trying to annihilate those who really want to live for God. Why don't you go fight the devil? When people get freed, you ought to be rejoiced. But you're not rejoicing because it puts you to shame because you're not free. Come on now, brothers and sisters in the house. How about that? They look at you and say, you're just in a cult. You're addicted to that cult leader. I don't want you following me. You're going to be messed up if you do. But I'm saying this. You ought to be following Jesus. They flogged them, threw them into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Well, they're a threat to society, aren't they? Carefully. Guard them. I, I, this is one of my favorite passages, actually. They're in this jail. 
chained, shackled, shackles actually put on their legs. So I read last night, so that every time they move, it actually hurts and cuts them. It's cold, there's rats and, and, and darkness in this cave with bars on it. And they put them in the inner cell, the worst place, the black hole, the untouchable place, and put a guard in there to watch them and fasten their feet so they couldn't even move. And I'm sure Paul was in there saying, if you only knew what I've been through. <laughs> Pastor, you just don't know. It's just, oh, it's horrible. Was that what he's doing? When I was in college, I traveled for the college all summer in a group, and then I got my tuition paid the next semester in Bible college, and we sang Paul and Silas in the jail at Philippi. We're singing. They were singing in the place. It was dark, dirty, and just full of disgrace, and just to be put in jail made everybody in the community say, do you see, did you hear about him? Did you hear about him? Yeah, I heard about him. He deserves to be down there. He, he literally freed that poor woman. She's a fortune teller. There's nothing wrong with fortune tellers. She was helping people to communicate with the dad. Don't you want to communicate with your dead relatives? You think I'm making that up? They're all over the place today. I told you my niece said to me on Facebook that she... Knows a fortune teller, and when she went to him, he said, "This is recently." He said to her, because her her father, her stepfather, died months ago, and so she wanted to communicate with her stepfather. And so she, I hope she listens to this message because God hope for her. I got hope for you, Heidi. And he said to her, "Was your father's name Gary?" And she said, "No." Does your father have a brother by the name of Gary? My, my, Heidi's dad is my brother, Bruce. And she said, yes, he's my uncle. And, and he said, tell him to go see a heart specialist. So my whole family is worried that I'm going to fall over a heart attack. Uh, Mr. Fortune Teller, I'm still here. And if I fall over, it's going to be because I get too excited about God. Not because I'm scared about your stupid little prophecies. You, you need to be delivered, buddy. I hope you listen to this message because you can get free. You could be delivered. You can dance up here with the rest of us fools. I'd rather be a fool for Christ, wouldn't you? I'm not going to quit because my former church says I shouldn't be in ministry. Wouldn't you want someone to go on and do things for God? Why is it that when we want to stop the people who are actually helping people, because it makes us feel guilty about the way we live because we don't think that our prison that is paralyzing us is demonic. Video games are demonic if they take you away from God. Your music is, your alcohol is, your family is. The things that are taking you away from God and paralyzing you in fear are not of God. They are demonic. Get rid of them. Go home and break the chains today. You guys who keep going back to smoking all the time, throw the stupid cigarettes out. They're Satan's death trap for you to die young. You got it? Yes. Honey, you need to be screaming more today. I need it. Even at the wedding, she's going, yes. And Amy Manor went up to her afterwards and said, I just love you, Becky, because she knows Becky's down there cheerleading. 
I said, I said, why did Amy say she loved you? She said, because she loves the way I just, I agree with things. Thank you, Amy. I do too. There's power in the name of Jesus, isn't there? I, 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 this is, you know what? You know how much power you can speak in your life? I love the manners. Yeah. I love the Gil, Gil, Gil what's her name? No, no, no. Galvabees. My wife said that name 50 times because she said, you're going to mess it up at the wedding. I did not mess it up. I said, as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I now for the first time would like to present you the couple that's already going down the aisle without me even pronouncing a man wife. <laughs> they were halfway down the aisle. The music didn't start till you guys got out. I said, step back here a second, please. <laughs> Mrs. Galvabee and Mr. Galvabee, right? It sounds like you should have your own show or something. The Galvabees are here now. I think it would be an interesting show, actually. But I'd like to say this to the enemy. They are free. They got free. Your mama was praying that you would come back to God. Now she's away from God, and we will pray that she comes back, and you tell her, get rid of that other garbage. She needs Jesus. You tell her, my pastor said, Frank, I want you to tell her this. Or, no, Beans will tell her. <laughs> Beans, you tell her. My pastor said Sunday, you need to throw out Allah and get Jesus back in your life because you know better, right? Break every chain that's paralyzing you. The demonic powers that are over you, you can break. You don't have to be stuck by those. There's a second thing I want you to see because I believe that many of us are caught in paralyzation. And by the way, I want to say this. There was such an anti-Jewish sentiment in the town of Philippi already because they had these Roman customs. And if you're a Roman, you can get by, you live under different laws than you do if you're a Jew. But little did they know that Paul was a Roman. Got him in big trouble. I wrote myself a lot, a lot of notes. There were just two completely different rules for the haves and the haves not. And I thank God for this. There are no have nots in the house. Jesus says, I came to save all of you. Come to me that you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Doesn't matter what you did. Doesn't matter what's in the past. Jesus says, I forgive you. You can go on. I believe this. One person's misery is another person's money. That woman was miserable, and people were making money off of it. People are making money off of your misery. Do you understand that? People are making money off those video games. People are making money in these gambling casinos. People are making money in these bars. People are making money by this porn. People are making money off of your misery. And Paul delivered her from her misery by saying, you don't need that anymore. It's paralyzing you. And in an instant, she was freed. Get free. Yeah. Remember, this addiction is not partial to who it destroys. It'll take anybody. Because the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, doesn't he? Yeah. But I have come that you might have life. You know this, people. You know how the Rock Church is going to grow? It's going to grow organically through us sharing our faith with others and them coming to church. Because EJ came here and, and there came his friends. And it's not over there. You will bring others. You'll bring others into the kingdom if that's what you want. You can free them from their paralyzation, the thing that's taken them down. I, I got to move on to my second point. And, and it was a place, it, it, your, your prison could be a place of purification. It could be a place of purification. Maybe God is allowing you to go through something so that you can actually see that you need him to get out of that paralyzed state that you've been living in. Because Jesus will take you out, won't he? That addictive behavior that you have. I remember back to, Sh to Shadrach, 
Meshach and Abednego, they realized this. You have to be broken in order to need to be fixed. You have to come to the end of yourself. You, you stand for what you believe, and you'll come out on the other side, either with God in eternity or certainly in this life, realizing that God is powerful. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your stupid gods or worship your stupid golden image that you have set up in such a stupid, 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 stupid state of mind. The devil is stupid, is he not? Say it out loud. The devil is stupid. Again, the devil is stupid. Yeah, yes, you say, well, I'd like to argue with you about that, Pastor, because he's, he's wiser than a serpent. Shut up. He's stupid. He's stupid. There is no joy in not being with God. No joy. There is no joy in not surrendering to God. There is only pain and misery. Is that what you want? Your paralyzation to continue on? and not realize that he's trying to purify you, you have to be humbled in order to be healed. You say, but I'd really like to get rid of this. I really want to get rid of this, God. I'm just, I, I, how many times have we seen people ca come and say, I, I quit smoking, it's 14 days now. You know what I'm talking about? Quit smoking. I, I've lost 50 pounds, and there's 500 trophies on the shelf from where you lost that 50 before and you picked it back up. Somewhere along the line, you found it again. I think you should turn around. I can find it for you. You know what I'm talking about? Addicted. 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 You like your addiction. Come on. You don't want to agree with that, but this is a fact. You like living down there. Gives you something to talk about, doesn't it? You like living down there because if you don't, you'll say, God, I am trusting you and I am believing that this is over. Right? Yeah. Honey, you're not saying anything this morning. You got to talk louder. Yeah. Okay. Do we believe that for our family? We believe it for our family. We don't have to live that way. We do not need to live that well. You don't need healing if you're hurting. If you're, excuse me, it should be if you're not hurting. You don't need healing if you're not hurting. You, you got to hurt in order to be desirous of healing. It's just correct? You're not going to ask God for healing if you're not hurting. You need to understand that either you're in a process in your prison of paralyzation or you're going through a process of purification and God is saying, I got you in a prison so that you can get it all over with and out and get done with that. Because misery leads to ministry. Yeah, it does. Come on. Misery leads to ministry. When you are miserable, you have to decide, do I want God or do I want to live in my misery? Do I want to be paralyzed or do I want to be free? Do I want to break these chains? Someone once said this. preacher said, go where you're sent, stay where you're put, and give what you've got. Go where you're sent, stay where you're put, and give what you've got. You know, this is what we want. We don't want to go where we're sent. We want to go where we are supposed to go. Paul was told, as Nick pointed out last week, not to go here and not to go here. Because why? 
Not because God was trying to be mean, because he knew that when he went to Philippi, there was a woman by the name of Lydia that needed to change. He knew when he went to Philippi, there was a fortune teller who was sick of telling people's fortune and wanted to be free, and she got free. Don't argue with God. I argued with God when he put us in this theater. It's dead in here. It's dead in here. And God said, no, I want you in there. I want you to... I want you to see what I can do if you just obey me and go where I told you to go and stay where you're put. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stay where you're put. You stay in that marriage. Well, my marriage is over. No, your marriage is not over until you decide it's over. I tell people that all the time. You change. You change. You stay where you're put. God has told you to stay there and give what you've got. Well, how many cheaters are in the house today? I think it was Nick that said, you need to keep preaching this until every person who said they were giving money to our building program actually is honest with God and gives it. I didn't have $5,000, but I gave it. And I'm happy. Ooh, did it get silent in here. Oh, Jesus. Now he's meddling. I can't afford to do that. I need to buy a new boat. I need to buy a new house. I need to buy a piece of land. I need to buy some woman. No, the four excuses they use, they got married, they need to buy a piece of land, they need to do, let, no place to lay their head. It's always that thing that we think we need, and we rob God, and I will guarantee you, you will pay for it. Yeah? yeah? yeah. Oh, yes, you will. You just wait. You'll pay that $1,500 back in something that will happen to you because you are cheating God. You give what you don't have. You don't give what you have. You give what you don't have. And th this is what Jesus told his disciples. He said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. It will make you dance. And then you'll be in a prison of praise. You're either in a prison of paralyzation, you're in a prison of purification, or you're in a prison of praise, hallelujah. Make those feet a dance. Let's have a hold down for Jesus. Oh, you can't help for praising God today. Anybody in the house like that? Anybody in the house? Pastor, I'd like to praise God, but you don't know what I'm going through. You're in prison. Prisons are not delightful unless Jesus is right there with you. Because when Nebuchadnezzar went to check the fiery furnace, there weren't three people in there. There was four. There was four. My wife's supposed to say were. <laughs> Did that, honey? You're not with me today. Oh, <laughs> she whispered it to Nick. Were. She's the grammar Nazi. Okay. There were four, and I seen it. <laughs> I seen it. I told you I seen it. I seen four of them in there. Get over your scene stuff. I saw him, the son of God, in the furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they were having a praise party. They were in a prison of praise. It's a good place to be. It's a prison of praise, isn't it? Some of us in the room, we just, that, that's not me. I'm not there yet. I need a few more years of pouting. 
need a few more years of skepticism and criticism. I need a few more hard knocks. Just knock me over, God. I deserve to be punished. Get over yourself and get free. You got something to praise the Lord about today, do you not? If you got something to praise the Lord about today, you, on the count of three, you are going to give a big whopping shout. One, two, three. Woo! Oh, my goodness. You buried Vince. You got something to praise God about today, and you know it. If your family's going to heaven, you should be praising God because in death comes life. Yes, you are just crossed over. You don't want to come back. You got life eternal, and we have this hope that we together will be with them. We shall see them again. Are you in a prison of praise this morning? Now, they're, in, they're not in prison because they did the wrong thing. They're in prison because they did the right thing. And there's a big difference, isn't there? Because it, you'll know that you are in prison for doing the right thing. Stay with me here. If it becomes a prison of praise. Paul and Silas were down there. Oh, God, you're so mighty. It's so, so good down here. Oh, God, you're so mighty. Huh? They're just down there and everybody's looking at them thinking, what a couple of Fruit Loops. Fruit Loops, man. They are crazy people. It's all right to be in prison for doing the right thing. No one says, where is my God, my maker, who gives songs in the night? John 35, 10. Charles Spurgeon said this, any fool can sing in the day. It's easy to sing when you can read the notes by daylight. But the skillful singer is he who can sing when fast. There is not a ray of light to read by. Songs of the night come only from God. They're not in the power of men. Oh, yeah, is he right? Oh, yeah. Because you'll always be able to tell when a person is going through the valley of the shadow of death, they're still singing. Their tears are tears of joy. Their tears are tears of thankfulness to God, are they not? Because attitude always determines outcome. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was this violent earthquake that shook the foundations of the whole prison. And at once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. Jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He brought them out, and he asked them, sirs, what do I have to do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved in your household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took and washed their wounds and immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God 
he and his whole household. Ooh, my goodness. There was some praise going on down there. Down there where the earthquake would seal that place up like a tomb. I can picture most of us. God, oh, thank you for opening the doors and giving us this earthquake so we can get out of here fast. Paul didn't leave. He knew that the guard would be killed. He valued his life more than his own. When you start to put others first, your prison becomes praise. Come on, does it not? When you start to put others first, your prison turns into praise. You realize you've got something to praise God about today. Now I'm telling you, if you believe it, you will have praise come to you this day. If you believe what I'm saying, you will get in your car and praise will be on your lips, not criticism, not negativism. And it'll spread to your children in the back seat. And it will spread to your family at the wedding. And it will spread to your Muslim mother who will say, enough of that garbage. Get back to the way. Right? God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, we will not fear what is going on. I want to live in a prison of praise. That's what I want. That's what I want for my life. I want to be a prisoner of praise. One of my favorite songs of all times is, um, It Is Well With My Soul. Horatio Spafford was a, a very wealthy man. He had a lot of money, and he lived in Chicago. There was a terrible fire in Chicago, if you go back and look at history, that devastated the entire city. Because of that, Horatio Spafford and his wife and their four girls decided to move to France. And at the very last minute, even though he had them planned on a, a, a ship, they would take the ship across the ocean and get to France, at the very last minute, he could not go. He did not hear from his wife. They didn't have internet. They didn't have telephones. It wasn't like they could just call from the ship. He did not hear from his wife, but while they were in transit going across the ocean, another ship rammed the side of their ship, and all four daughters drowned. Mrs. Spafford was left alone. She got to France, and she called her husband and said, all is gone but me. In grief, in grief, he boarded the next ship. And when the vessel got to the spot to where his family went down, he asked the captain, if he could, if he would show him where it was. And he went to the side of the ship, and in his grief, he wrote these words. When peace, like a river, attendeth my way. When sorrows, like sea billows, roll. Whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. How can you make it if you are locked, paralyzed in this prison? How do you make it? 
How do you get over the grieving of somebody that you love that has passed? How do you get over the grief that you share on a daily basis over hurt that people bring into your life or your spouse taking off on you or whatever it may be? How do you get over that? You get over it by realizing that even when you're locked in this prison and everything seems dark and, and there's no hope, there is hope. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. It is well with my soul. It is well with our soul. You can live in a prison of praise if you surrender to him. I pray in the name of Jesus right now as we finish this service. I pray in Jesus' name that you would unlock the doors, take off the shackles, use whatever earthquake you need to use to bring us out of a paralyzed prison into a place of purification so that we might once again have praise on our lips. Right, people? Yeah. That our prison would be a place of praise.